Welcome to episode seven of the Print On Demand Playbook Podcast. I'm Kerry, this is my co-host Adrian, and we are pumped about episode seven. In this episode, we're gonna be talking about beginner mistakes to avoid when you're starting out with Print On Demand. And let me tell you, this episode gets extra juicy. We even get into some heated debates around copyrights and trademarks and mock-ups and all these different things. Talk a lot about paid ads. I mean, there is some really good stuff in here. So whether you're a beginner or even if you're not a beginner, maybe you're more experienced, this is gonna be a really value-packed episode for you to learn some things that people commonly do, common mistakes that are made in print-on-demand. So with that being said, let's dive into the episode. Adrian, what is up, my friend? How are you? I am doing amazing because I am leaving to the Philippines in T-minus two days. And it's it's like finally starting to kick in that this is actually happening. You know when you like book a vacation and you're just kind of like, eh, like, it, like nothing waiting. happens when you click that like purchase button. You're like, yay. And then, and then it kind of just fizzles away. And then the closer you get, the more the excitement yeah. kind of like builds. I'm definitely there now. And my wife is already there. She went a week before me and she's like sending me photos and telling me stories. And I'm like, I can't, it sounds so much like Thailand, like in Kosovo, Thailand where I used to live. So I'm just like, so I'm so fired up today. And I've just been like, had like, like that, like, I don't know, like, pre-vacation energy, you know, yep. like hitting the gym extra hard, working extra hard, super dialed in, super focused. And yeah, man, I'm feeling awesome. How long is the flight? 14 hours from, oh. so yeah, it's, oh, it's a man. long one. It's not, it's not a short one by any means. So I'm flying to Vancouver first and then that's like three hours. That's nothing. Um, I do that all the time. And then I'm going Vancouver to Manila is 14 hours. So that's going to be like the real life test. I've done this before. And like, I don't know, like last time I did it, I actually didn't think it was as bad. Like I went back to Thailand after I lived there. I went back again to Koh Samui to visit for a month. And I was like, that really wasn't that bad. So I'm hoping that that'll be the same experience now. I got a window seat. That's that's all I care about. Um, so yeah, man, I'm, I'm set to go. How are you doing? I'm great. I don't think I've ever, I don't, I don't think I've ever flown more than like three and a half, four hours. If you can believe that. Like I, cause I've, the farthest I've ever flown was Cancun for my honeymoon. Yeah. And it was like, we just went to Dallas and then I think it was only like, you know, it was only like another hour there or something like it wasn't like super far. So anyways, I'm doing good, man. It's a, uh, it's, it's actually warming up here in Oklahoma or it's been, it's been like 70 the past couple days, went to the park yesterday on my, like took a, took a long lunch, went to the park, played some catch, played on the playground. Like we're just enjoying the weather, playing lots of pickleball outdoors, you know, nice. so that's pretty fun. Dude, pickleball is getting so popular. I'm here. Every, I know we talked about it. I heard Ryan, Hogue, I I heard Ryan it. Hogue talking about it. My really? wife is like playing it with her friend and her friend's parents and like, everybody's playing it, man. It's like, yep. I feel like I got to try this out for myself. It just sounds like a pretty like legit. Like if you're listening sport. to this right now and you're into print on demand, start a pickleball store. Okay. <laughs> Ride the yeah. wave of pickleball right now. No, I did hear a stat and I, I want to dive into the episode. Like, so I don't want to keep just jabbing on about nothing, but I heard a stat that in one year. So in 2022 from 2021 to 2022, Pickleball in the U.S. went from 5 million people that played to 36 million people last year. Is that insane? Whoa. 5 to 36 million. 
That's got to be like the fastest growing sport. It like it's the fastest growing sport in America. I think in America, maybe the maybe worldwide though. I have to look it up, but yeah. That's Anyways. crazy. Right. So in Ryan Hoag's um, podcast, he was talking about hiring Fiverr designers to create pickleball inspired t-shirt designs. Yeah, you. man. So your design's already you. been taken, but or your design no, already That's been just, taken. But there's plenty of dude, room. With there's plenty of room. With that many million people, there's absolutely room for numerous pickleball-inspired brands. So, so I if hope you, someone does jump. I hope people jump on that. If you leave the podcast right now, you've already gotten <laughs> value because we've just given you the gold mind of 2023 that is pickleball. <laughs> yeah, and, the pickleball yeah. niche. All right, yeah, man. Well, let's, yeah. let's do this. Today, we're going to talk let's about print-on-demand mistakes to avoid when you're a beginner, when you're just starting out. Um. Yeah, I would just say that, you know, um, we both, I think we both work with a lot of beginners in our, in our programs yeah. and different things. We've both been yeah. beginners at one point. We both made a lot of mistakes, but man, mm -hmm. I, I would say that I see in my pro in my shirt school program over the last three years, like I see the same things being like the same mistakes being made over and over and over. And you know, it, they're very typical and, and we want to cover some of those today and maybe uncover some things that you haven't thought of. I think for a lot of people, maybe you're doing some of these things right now and hopefully we can provide, not only just point them out and help you identify some of those in your business, but then provide you some solutions to like, Hey, here's what you should do instead. Right. So that's kind of where I'm at. I think this is a really good topic. I think people are going to get a lot of value out of. Yeah, I totally agree. And like, you don't even have to be a beginner to appreciate these. I mean, some of these people, even intermediate people might be yeah. like, oh, I didn't even like think about that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I love just, I love like sharing these things and then giving solutions. Mm -hmm. Like, here's the problem. Here's what you can do about it. So I'm glad that we're kind of like doing both of those as opposed to just like sharing here are the problems. Now go figure them out yourself, you know? <laughs> And like, you've probably answered these questions. We've probably answered these questions to our communities, like so many times. Um, so uh, I'm excited to like, kind of like broadcast this out there for everybody. hundred percent. All right, well, man. Well, let me dive into the first one here. I'm going to take yeah. uh, one from your list here. We're going to dive into this first one. So talking about stealing designs. Now, I don't think, you know, I think here's what I think. I think most people start their business and, or their, their apparel business. And they're never intentionally stealing designs. I, I mean, some people are, don't get me wrong, but I think some people come in, um, and they, they want to ride the wave or the trend of something. And maybe, maybe they do a design that they, they're kind of like, is this copyright? Is it trademark? It's kind of things that maybe are in the gray area. I mean, I think mm. most people are not most people are not like they understand that you can't just put Mickey Mouse on a t-shirt. You can't just put Darth Vader or, you know, what, like you can't do those things, right. Mo or a logo, right. You can't just put the Nike swoosh on, on a thing and you can't get away with that. Right. Like you, you all that Etsy sellers, man. <laughs> yeah, man. I know I, but that's, what's crazy about it is like, I think, I think most people know that if you're, if you're doing that, like you're intentionally doing it. You know what I mean? You know what you're doing. You know yeah, what you're doing. Like most of them know what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, there's a lot of people that are willing to take the risk because like you, they, they probably look at some of these stores, like these like Disney inspired stores on Etsy. And they're like, oh my God, they got 10,000 sales and they're selling Disney stuff like with the logo or with Mickey Mouse, with the name, whatever. Right. 
And they're like, if they can do it and make 10,000 sales, then I can do it too. And then they get terminated after like five sales because it doesn't go in any particular order. But I did hear yeah, Disney's I mean, cracking down on Etsy. I, yeah. I just recently heard that Disney's really cracking down on Etsy. It kind of makes you mad, you know, as a beginner when you yeah. see that, especially if you're, some, if you're somebody who's like tried to build the, the business the right way and you maybe mm. failed at it, you, you feel like mm -hmm. you're, you know, you, like ethically, you're like, I'm not going to do that. And you see somebody doing that and just crushing it, right? Like it kind of, yeah. it kind of makes you mad. Like, why do they get to get all those sales, you know, no and, and just putting Mickey Mouse and Darth Vader and whatever minions and all the different things on, on, on apparel or, or print on demand in general. And like, why can't I get the, some of that success? You know what I mean? And so I, I kind of get that point I, to me at the end of the day, like I want to fall on the side of like having integrity, you know, honoring these copyrights and trademarks, not just trying to make a buck off of their name or their likeness or whatever the case may be. I think that's the right, right. thing to do. Agreed. At the same time, not to shift gears already, but there is a there is a way to get inspiration from those di designs and maybe play off of them a little bit where it's not just copying them, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think, um, you know, so I definitely think that there's, I feel like with any opportunity, like the high majority of people are honest, like moral ethical people, but there's always like that small percentage of bad apples, bad actors um, that always try to find a way to game the system. Like there's always going to be those people. And so I feel like most people, they are not starting these stores. And like if someone was brand new on Etsy and they saw all these stores selling Disney and they didn't know much, like they might not even think like they're like, well, all these people are selling it. I don't understand why I couldn't. Right. So um, I, I don't blame all those people. If you know that you're doing it and it's wrong, then you should stop doing it, especially because Etsy, if they terminate your account, it's very hard to get your account back. It is absolutely not worth the risk. But I do agree with taking inspiration from designs. I don't like uh, when people take like a brand name and put on a shirt like Nike. That's just mm -hmm. like just... Don't do it. Like pun intended. You know the, what I mean? Everybody's seen the, Gu Just the don't Gucci. don't do it. The Gucci shirt. Like I'm thinking of that in my head. Like that with the, right. the Gucci logo that like, it's like there's so many counterfeits. Like, oh my God. Yeah. It's like Ugh. we don't need another counterfeit. And it's and like, it, it's very like unethical. And mm -hmm. like, if that's the road you're going to go down, you're probably not going to last long in this industry. Yeah. Um, but I am a big fan of getting inspiration from designs. If you don't take the brand name, if you don't take their logos and you just find other ways, like, you know, you can do a play on like, just do it. Like I did it or something. You know what I mean? Like, I, like I've seen plays on like slogans and stuff and I, and sometimes they're super clever and I'm like, that is so clever and they are not infringing on anything. And like, that's the way to go. Um, in like, terms like, of like, like maybe like as an example, let me try to like, like, let's say, and you say, you know, you, you kind of did one with Nike, but like, let's say it's may the force be with you, right? Mm. Like maybe, you know, maybe just, this is a bad example, but if you had like a picture, you could do this with AI. If you had a picture of a cat holding a lightsaber and it was like, mm. let the meows be with you or something, you know, like that's probably really yeah. bad. It's probably a really bad example, <laughs> but along those lines, like it's still kind There's of in the gray area, but yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with that. I agree. 
There's nothing wrong with that. You're not taking any of their characters. You're not taking their name. You're not even taking the slogan. You've mm -hmm. changed it all. Like I, I truly don't believe that there's anything wrong with that. And I think it would be a very hard case for mm -hmm. someone like Star Wars to like come after you for. Um, but at the same time, the force be with you on the shirt. That's yeah. totally different. Now, at the same time, when you put that out there, though, like you're going to be able to get the attention of Star Wars fans, right? Without yeah. necessarily infringing on their copyright or trademark. I'm with right. you. I think there's nothing wrong with doing that and and being clever and like playing into some of those things uh, to kind of latch on to some of that, you know, trendiness, virality, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I. I um I really want to hear your opinion on this though. I think I think I know what you're going to say, but because because I, I, I apologize, I was reading your your first point here, and I I maybe went a different direction sure. with it. But I want to ask you though, let's, like, let's talk about smaller stores though, because it, you know, is it okay in your opinion? Let's say you see a T-shirt or or just a design out there on Etsy or something or anywhere on another store, right? And maybe it's in your niche, and you see a phrase or a or or a slogan that like is really funny or resonates with you. Now, mm -hmm. I personally think, and I think as you put here in the notes, is like you should never just take that design and just copy it verbatim and try to sell it on right. your own store. But right. let's say you see a phrase and you really like that phrase, would you use the phrase and maybe do a different style design but use kind of the same phrase, like stuff like that? Because that's, that's been a little bit difficult for wow. me to kind of you know decipher of like how do I feel about that, you know? Yeah, it's it's such a gray zone. Like yeah. I feel like there's certain in circumstances where I would be like no, and certain circumstances where I'd be like yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. Like I, like okay, one phrase that I see on so many shirts about self love, like I've seen it a million times, is imperfectly perfect. Yeah, like exactly. It's literally like every self love brand and their dog has like an imperfectly perfect shirt, and it's just kind of like it's everywhere. Like if 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 someone wanted to take that and put on a shirt, I'd be like, yeah, I'm not going to care. I don't think anyone's really going to care. It's literally everywhere already. Um, it's not my preference. Like what I prefer to do is to find, if I do find like a slogan that went viral, I always like to make like some adjustment to it so that it's original. Yeah. Um, but there just are some that like, first of all, it almost seems like every slogan is taken. Do you feel that way? Like oh, sure. literally I thought I thought of so many good ideas before and then I Google it and there's like a million shirts with it. And, and I thought it was like a totally original idea. It's like in, in 2023, it is so hard to think of anything original. It seems like it's all been taken, but I don't know, like it, it would have to be on like a case by case basis with me, but there's definitely ones like imperfectly perfect that are just so everywhere so broad if it wasn't trademarked if if you went into uspto and you saw that it was not trademarked i wouldn't hesitate to put it on a shirt that said i would not put it on a shirt because it's like a very uninspiring quote i'm sorry in my opinion i just yeah, think it's absolutely. so old. it's it's, it's like, not original it's not, right it's just like it's not original it not doesn't unique. invoke emotion it just is like very generic it's overdone like, yeah Overdone. Overdone is right. 100%. Yeah, I mean, where yeah. I would fall is I think that I think that it it does come down to really your moral compass, how you feel yeah. about it. Um, yeah. Because 
as we just mentioned, there are apparently tens of thousands of people who think, you know, putting Mickey Mouse on a T-shirt is perfectly okay and selling it on Etsy, even yeah, though it's not okay, funny. right? Yeah. So a lot of it's going to come down to your moral compass. I think that if you are in a really small niche and, you know, you go out to your direct competitor that's doing the exact same thing you want to do and you just look at all their slogans and you just take them all and put them on your own designs, I'm like, yeah, I wouldn't feel very good about that. I, my, I would feel like mm, that's probably not, you know, a great idea. At the same time, mm-hmm. like you said, if it's something that's a little more common, um, mm-hmm. well, let me go back to the last example because what I just said, if you want to get technical, there's nothing wrong with doing that, mm. right? What as I just said. As long as it's not trademarked. As long yeah. as it's not trademarked, yeah. If, there's, if it's some small brand like Joe Schmo down the street, you know, and they and they and you go and rip off all their designs like – Technically, there's nothing wrong with doing that if they if they don't have it trademarked. I mean, technically, but morally, that's a different subject. You know, you have to you have to say you know get in touch with how you feel about it morally. If you feel good about doing something like that, I mean, I don't. I don't, I feel slimy Either. about that. Yeah, I think it's really slimy. It happened. It actually happened to me. So a couple of years ago, I literally had a store rip off like probably they probably stole fifty percent of our designs. It was really bad. I was using Custom Cat at the time for um, print on demand. And mm-hmm. I went to Custom Cat because this person was a Custom Cat seller. Oh, wow. And I was like, dude, what's going on here? One of your sellers in Vietnam stole like 50% of all my designs. They stole my product photos. They stole the designs and they even stole my customer photos. Like they literally stole my reviews. They stole everything. They essentially replicated my store. That's and I was terrible. so angry. I was so angry. I was like, this is like the most unethical thing. And I'm not going to say too much about this because I don't like to talk poorly of, of many people, but like Custom Cat did not make it easy to take those people down. They made it seem like they were doing me a huge favor by telling these people that they were taking those designs down. And I left Custom Cat after that because I was like, I'm done with you guys. Like you, this is like, I can't even believe that this was even like there was even a second thought here. Like they pushed back at first and was like, oh, you know, they like, maybe they didn't know. I'm like, they, they have wanted my the business. testimonials. They have my customers' photos that that's, were not that's terrible. from that that's, brand. That's another level. Of, it, it was next level. It was like yeah. ultimate threat theft. Um, so that like, I, I do have like, I'm, I'm very opposed to intellectual theft because of that really bad experience. Um, there was something else I was going to say. Oh yeah. So one thing that people can do if you have, so if you came up with an original design and you saw someone else take it from you, they can file a DMCA takedown. And many times those can be successful and they can get the slogan taken down. However, from what I understand, and I'm not a legal professional, but I've just had a lot of experience with DMCA takedowns. Um, we've had to do them a lot. Um, from what I understand, like it, it might not hold up in court if it's just a slogan without any originality. And so one thing that I like to do and I recommend to others is try to put some artistic element in the design. It could be like an icon or like a shape, something to make it have like an artistic originality to it. And that is from what I understand will give you a stronger case. That said, we have successfully taken down a ton of copycats who just like stole our slogans. 
But most people won't go through the trouble. They don't know how to do deep safe takedown. A lot of smaller sellers don't even know what it is. Yeah. Um, but essentially, it's the Digital Millennium Copyright Act. I believe that's what it stands for. And it essentially protects work from the time that it's posted on the internet. And you don't have to file for anything technically. You can, nice. you can file a DMCA takedown. Like you can go an extra step and you can file to copyright your designs. I personally don't recommend it because it costs money and it's time consuming. Like imagine when you're trying to drop like 10 new designs a month, imagine having to like keep going and keep applying and keep paying money to get these all copyrighted. But like, even without anything, if you just, what I recommend you do is when you get a new design, post on your social media, keep it on there. And then when you go to do the DMCA takedown, send a photo of, or send a, a screenshot of that post with the date showing that it was posted. And if those people can't prove that they posted it before, then in a lot of cases, it will get taken down. Wow. That's, that's great information, dude. I've, I've dealt with it like since like, I don't know, man, like six years going on now. And like, I've had some really bad experiences. So like, we know a thing or two about this. <laughs> Anyways, to wrap up this, this point here where we can get back to be beginner mistakes to avoid, uh, don't steal designs. I think where we fall yeah. is that, you know, don't, don't steal anything that's copywritten or trademarked. Make sure you yeah. check the, you know, us, uh, us, PTO. Um, if you want to check if a phrase is trademarked or you know anything else, really check. You can check that out. Um, and it's okay to take inspiration from designs. You know, don't just don't rip them mm -hmm. off. And right. you know, I think I think that's anything that's in the in the really really gray area. You're gonna have to really see how you feel about that. You know, right. there are definitely things that are gonna be in the gray area. Do what you think is right morally. That's where yeah. I fall. And and try to add in an artistic element if possible. It doesn't even have to be anything crazy. It could be a star, a heart, an arrow, a flower, like little things that just make it unique from an artistic mm -hmm. standpoint. It just gives you a stronger case. Makes sense. Makes sense. So cool. All right. Why don't we jump into the second one? This kind of actually rolls perfectly into the next one, which is check if the written phrase is trademarked to avoid trademark infringement. And you can go to this website uspto.gov backslash trademarks backslash search. And what you can do is you can actually go in there and you can search a phrase. And if it's trademarked, it should show there. Um, now, one thing to note is that this is the United States Patent and Trademark Office, and it only applies to trademarks filed in the US. So if you're in another country and you're looking for trademarks in those countries, you have to go somewhere else is my guess. I'm actually not too sure. All I look at is USPTO. But um, <clears throat> I think that this, if you're on the fence about using a, a phrase or something, I think that this is a really good place to go because if it is trademarked, then you absolutely should not use it. If that phrase is trademarked, do not use it because they have trademark protection. That is more powerful than something like the DMCA. Um, and I think it even gives them additional rights. Like they might be able to come after you for like royalties or, or something. I, I really don't know too. I don't like talking too, too deep on I this know. subject because I'm not a legal professional and I don't want to give any misinformation. I do not like spreading misinformation, I, but that's how I understand it. That's what I'm going to say is that's how I understand it. 
Um, and one thing I want to say too is if you are having a lot of success with a design or slogan and you're worried, like, let's say that you drop one, it went viral and you're just like scaling this thing to the moon. It might be worth applying for a trademark for that designer slogan. So we've done this for our best-selling designs and I know other people who have done this too for their best-selling designs, but generally they'll only do them for like six and seven figure designs. Yeah. It's not, it's not worth it to do it for every design. I think I forget exactly how much we paid. I want to say like $1,200 per like application, like per design. And some we lost, like we created one original slogan and it got like all these big companies, like some big company in Sweden, like who wasn't even using it, said that it was too similar to something of theirs and they shut it down. But we still had to pay all the legal fees to like apply and everything. And it actually ended up getting nulled. Like we didn't get the trademark. So it was a huge waste of money. So I would definitely only do this if it's like your trade, your flagship design or trade uh, flagship slogan, because it's expensive and time consuming. We got lawyers because it's very well for us. It seemed very complicated of a process without lawyers. So we did hire lawyers for it. I wouldn't, if I could go back, I probably wouldn't have applied for that for any, um, maybe one, but the problem is that people were still stealing it. And it's, it's so hard. Like even it's when I trademark, like you're constantly going after people, right? Yeah. If you get, so, yeah, if you get a design that takes off like that, even if it does mm-hmm. six figures or more, you know, maybe even yeah. less, but, but like six figures or more, I mean, it, it's almost impossible to keep up with all the people that might be trying to copycat it. And it's yeah, it's, I, I, I totally understand. I have not trademarked any designs myself. Um, and, and I I usually don't recommend doing it for that reason. Just the, the, you know, the, the money it costs and the time it takes and the the headaches and that you got to jump hoops, you got to jump through. So, but good tip there to, to check the trademark stuff, because that's going to give you a good beat on, if, if it's a really, really big popular design, you know, like yeah. that you don't, you definitely don't want to, co- you know, take any, you don't want to copy it, I guess is what it should say. So, um, yeah, yeah definitely, definitely good to look. 100%. For sure. You want to take the next one? I will take the next one. I think, I think I'm gonna jump down to, to my list down here. Um, and you know, we kind of combine this with, with your, with your third point here, but my, mine was, a beginner mistake that I think you should avoid that I see all too often making your designs too complex mm. or just too mm. like, it's like you're trying to be, you're trying to be too much, too creative with it, you know? And you know, one thing you said here is keeping your color variations down to a minimum to avoid decision, decision fatigue. Now, you know, that could go, that could go with like the variance, but that could also go with the, the number of colors. Well, I guess you're talking about decision fatigue, but the number of colors in a design, the, you know, like the, the, just the create, how creative it is. You're trying to like, I just think a lot of people when they're, they're trying to create their first t-shirt designs or first, you know, print on demand designs, whatever, they just think it's gotta be like this art piece, this like masterpiece. And so, yeah. especially if you like, if you are somebody who considers yourself like a really creative or artistic person, like maybe you've drawn in the past for years or you're really into it. And it's like, you want to just create this really unique art 
the problem with that is that stuff usually doesn't sell. <laughs> it's like, mm. it's usually really, really hard to sell when you're trying mm -hmm. to make these really complex designs or on the other flip side is if you're like, if you're not a designer and you think you like, you never don't have any design experience, but you think you have to create complex designs, they end up being really bad. Yeah. And I mean, they, you end up doing like, what I see a lot is I see like these color combinations on shirts that are just like, what is that? You know, like so I've got yeah. this pink and red design on a lime green shirt. And, and you mm -hmm. see, you see them put that on there. Cause it's like, it was just one of the colors available in the print on demand app. So they put it on there and it's like, Oh, <laughs> it's bad. You know? Um, yeah. so that, that would be one that I, that I would mention is just like trying to make designs too complex when you're starting out or too intricate or too creative when mm -hmm. the reality is like simple designs convert the best, right? Like totally. text, text based totally. designs or just very basic designs that invoke emotion. Those are the kind of things that work the best. That's what I was going to say. Like, so you'd probably agree, um, in your experience. So all of our best selling designs have ever, have been really simple. Mm -hmm. Like they've either been full text based or they've just had some design elements to them. But we haven't had like I've hired like high end, like really good graphic designers and paid like hundreds of dollars for designs that totally flopped because they were just I thought like, oh, this is our brand evolving. We're like creating like new designs that are more like that, that separate us from every other T-shirt brand. But at the yeah. end of the day, we always come back to simplicity because you let your customers vote with their dollars. And if the customers are going to be buying the simple stuff, give them more of the simple stuff, like give your customers more of what they want. And in our experience, it's absolutely been what you're talking about, where complex designs do not perform as well as the simple ones. Yeah, for sure. Sorry, I, I stepped into your third point there. I, I want you to That's I great. want you to do this next one because it is it is different from what we just talked about uh, talking yeah, about the variation. So, why don't you hit that one? Sure. Yeah. So the next point, um, did, uh, beginner mistake to avoid is having too many color options. So what I always recommend is keeping your color variations to a minimum to avoid decision fatigue. So decision 100%. fatigue, for anyone who's not familiar, it's when a customer has so many options presented to them that they actually cannot decide and end up not buying anything. A lot of times they're just too overwhelmed. Maybe they're just an indecisive person by nature and you are making their life a bit more difficult by giving this indecisive person all these options. I generally recommend two to three colors, but definitely no more than five. Um, the top three best-selling colors based on my research, um, like our own sales, but also what I've seen online are black is number one. So we pretty much offer every single design on black. If there's one color we're gonna offer it on of shirt, it's gonna be black. Two is white. Number three is the color gray, usually like that kind of like darker um, charcoal gray. And then next is navy blue and next is red. But I would say if you're gonna offer one color, offer black. If you're gonna offer two, black and white or black and gray. If you're gonna offer three, black, white and gray. That's just my personal opinion. 
There are so many successful brands who offer very few options. Think of Tesla, think of Apple. Like you don't have that many options with their phone. When they drop a new phone, it comes in like what, two sizes and like a couple colors. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's not a crazy amount yet everyone chooses one and so many people love their phones. And the one, the one phone that they came out with like all the crazy colors, guess what? It flopped. And you know, like the, I'm thinking of like the iPhone 5C or whatever. They're like, like, put it in all these pastel colors. It's going to be like all this. It's like that phone was garbage and it wasn't out for very long and they didn't ever do it again. (laughs) It's like they went back to the formula of, of we're going to do silver and, and black and gold and like maybe a rose gold or whatever. Like that's pretty much it, you know? So totally agree. (laughs) Totally, totally. And, and the thing is like, like I, I find that if you offer your design, if someone really likes the design, bunch of options, give them like one to three options, and they will choose one if they like the design. Hundred percent. I'll take the next one. So Sorry, that's was- that's kind of it for for that one. Yeah. Oh, that's good. Sorry, your, your connection was getting a little choppy there. Apologize. Okay. <laughs> you lost you for a minute. I was like, oh no, hopefully um, it, uh, it came through on the recording. But anyways, uh, next point is um, related to the one I just talked about. The beginner mistake to avoid is selling your art. So, you know, mm-hmm. you can make your designs too complex. That's one thing. And you should do simple designs. But another one, another whole like almost completely separate thing is like sell, just selling your art. Listen, uh, you like a lot of you guys listen to this. You, you have, you've maybe just created this art or you've been a painter or whatever it is. That is amazing. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to sound like I, like, you know, you're not talented and all those kind of things, but like people don't care about your art. They just don't, they, they just don't care about your art, right? Like people care about themselves and they care about what, like what they're going to get out of it. Right. Is that, mm-hmm. does that t-shirt design make them laugh? Does it make them cry, get emotional, get excited, get prideful? Does it make them identify with what's on that t-shirt? Do they connect with it, right? Is it relatable? Like those are things people care about when they're, when they're just out there buying, buying these kind of products, not just, not just shirts, but these apparel items, print on demand items. The problem with putting your, I think it's not that you can't sell your art. The, the problem with putting your art on things is that it doesn't usually work before you have an audience because you haven't built an audience yet. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, if you're just, if you're in your house and you like to paint and you've been doing that for 10 years and the only people that know about it are your mom, your dad, your cousin, and your dog, you don't have an audience for that. Right. Like your mom and your dad and your cousin, your dog, they're all going to absolutely love Mm -hmm. your art because they're your family. But like, and so you might mm-hmm. think it's really good and maybe it is really good, but it's really hard to get people sold on that, uh, in the beginning. Right. And, and so the way that that works better is if you build an audience first and the way that you build an audience is usually by going towards a certain niche and creating content content in that niche. So, you know, if your artwork can relate to a niche, if it can connect into a niche and then you can go build an audience first and then sell the artwork on different products it can work, but you're like playing this longer game and it's kind of, it's kind of a whole different strategy that I don't think you and I, I don't think that we really teach that. Right. Like, so it's, but it is something I see a lot because 
You know, I just see that beginners come in, they, they have this existing art, they want to sell it, they don't know how, and it's just like, it's just a completely different strategy, right? Like, it's hard to make that connection with, with people from, an, from art that they just, it's just like abstract or it, you know, it doesn't instantly invoke an emotion. So it's, yeah. it's a difficult one, but I do see that pretty frequently. Yeah, I would have to agree with you. I also do see that a lot and get asked a lot about like selling yeah. art, like, oh, I'm an artist and I want to put my original art. And and this is like no hate on the art itself. Like, do not take this personally. No. Like a lot of those artists out there are extremely talented. But the problem is, I, I think you would agree, Carrie, what we see working the best is designs that evoke emotion and relatability. And if someone sees a shirt with a beautiful nature image, it I don't think it's going to invoke a lot of emotion and relatability to people. And I just don't think they're going to connect with it. But like, you're right about like, if you are established, like if you put Picasso paintings on shirts, Picasso fans are going to buy it. If yeah. you buy put Michelangelo paintings on shirts, Michelangelo fans are going to buy it. Um, but, but they already yeah, have fans, I, I do, right? They have fans. They have, right. they're known right. already. They're famous artists. Yeah. Yeah. And so like yeah, a lot of those I, art I, pieces, I totally they, 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 a lot of those art pieces, they have a story that has to go along with them. And mm -hmm. we, we sell on social media. And when you're selling on social mm -hmm. media, you literally have a split second to capture somebody's attention and to get them to click. And yeah. if they see you, this art piece, and it might be like, Hey, that's really cool. But I have no idea what that is. Scroll past, you know, like, yeah, they have to instantly know what it is and they have to relate with it and they have to feel something. And that's where it gets really difficult. Yeah. And, and I think like kind of a recommendation that I've given to people before. So I've had artists in the nature niche reach out and be like, Hey, I love painting nature. I have a lot of work. I really want to put on clothes. And what I say is, why don't you choose a niche, like a nature inspired niche? I would actually go deeper. Nature is too broad in my opinion, yeah. like choose hiking or like something, you know, that's kind of connected to nature and like start by creating shirts that invoke emotion and relatability first. And then sure, by all means, put your art on the same website if you want. Um, but like you'll, you'll very likely see that it will not sell nearly as well as a funny quote about hiking or, yeah. uh, you know, something really relatable to people that are like big on hiking, something like that. Um, I, I have not seen any one make it work in mm -hmm. my experience. And I'm not saying it's never worked where you just put your own art on clothes. I know a lot of people go on like Redbubble. It's like known as kind of like an artsy kind of funky place for like artists and stuff. Um, and I know a lot of them go to Redbubble, put their stuff up there, but I have not met anyone and I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying I've talked to a lot of people who have asked me questions and express interest in putting art on clothes and none of them have like created a successful business from it in my experience. Um, yeah, it's it, it maybe we lost touch and they did and it went, it was successful. But my point is you're, you're starting at like a bit of a disadvantage. For sure. And, and, and the funny thing about it is I think from my experience, <clears throat> a lot of those, a lot of the people come in, they want to start selling right away. Like they want to bring in money mm -hmm. and profits right away. And mm -hmm. I look at it, I'm like, if that's what you're selling, it's amazing. But like, it's not going to bring you money now. You're going to have to go the route of like 
building an audience through really through content, right? Like I don't know how else to to do it. You're gonna have to put out a lot of content and different things until you're gonna be able to craft a message around your art that speaks to people, you know, yeah. and and, and uh, to give them a reason to want to buy that art. Because I think in most in most cases, your original art it does have a message, right? Like it's yeah, you're creating it with some kind of message, some kind of inspiration uh, behind it, a me- you know, really strong message behind it, but to take that message and communicate it to customers, it's really difficult. It's not mm-hmm. directly solving a problem. It's not directly bringing them any kind of emotion, any reaction, right? Like if it's controversial, mm-hmm. maybe, you know, maybe, maybe it, yeah. it sparks something, right? But like, even then it's just gotta be that instant and it's really difficult. You're definitely playing the yeah. long game for sure. I would, if I were going to do it, if I were one of those original artists that one of those people that wanted to put original art, I would actually start a print on demand canvas company. Like yeah. I would put the art on canvases and try to sell it there. That's probably going to be your best bet. I think people would, per, if they really liked the art, they would probably prefer it on a canvas rather than a shirt or something like that. Cause they're looking for but, something to display. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. But Yeah. I, I agree that like, you know, there are a lot of people that are so, so talented, but it's just for a clothing brand, like it just hasn't been like what sells a lot in my experience. Yep. All right, Adrian, hit us with the next one. Cool. Uh, so next. So this is something that I feel like people, a lot of people do and it, they leave so much money on the table. And I have absolutely been guilty of this. And it is creating collections for your designs by putting them on multiple products. So, you know, when you launch a design and it just takes off and usually you have it on like a t-shirt and maybe you then put it on like a sweatshirt and a hoodie or, and, or a tank, like I am all about scaling those designs. That means if that is a design that's selling well, put it on a ton of things and let your customers again vote with their dollars. Maybe you'll be surprised. Some people might like a design way better on a mug than on a shirt. They might like it better on a hat than on a shirt, but like give them options. And what I find is that, so a lot of times when we have a winning design, we will drive the, when we're running ads, we will drive them to the collection so that they can see everything we have. And I know that there are some marketers that are like, oh, don't do that. You're giving them too many options. Just drive them. Yeah. <laughs> like just drive them straight to the product page so they can just buy that product. However, we've done both. And what we find, and like, this is just like empirical. This is just our own brand. We find that the average order value is higher when you drive them to a collection because a lot of people buy more than one. Like if you That's have- That's what you want. You want them to do that. Exactly. Like a lot of people, when they see an ad, they, they I don't know if it's just like, I, I've been guilty of this too. I just think that's like the only option. If I see an ad and I click on it and it takes me to a page to buy one thing, I'm like, oh, this is the only option. But when there's a whole collection, like we drive them to collection and we find that a lot of customers, they'll buy that design in a t-shirt, hoodie, and like a tank top just for themselves. I've done this myself. Like I, I, there's a, a brand that I really like and I went online, they were having like their Black Friday sale and I bought four shirts and this, I only two different slogans, but in two different colors. So I bought one slogan I liked in two colors and I bought another slogan I liked in two colors. And two of them were t-shirts and two of them were tank tops. 
But like, if I didn't know that they had all those other options, I would think I was just limited to one and I would have only bought one. And so I think people like, like put themselves a huge, well, not a huge disadvantage. They just leave a lot of money on the table. And sadly, if you're not going to scale your winning design onto other products, someone else will, because Mm. generally what happens when you come out with a winning product, people catch on, you get a ton of copycats and they'll put it on like everything you could possibly imagine. Things that you didn't even think you could print on demand, they'll put it on. And all of a sudden your winning design that you have on three products is on like 50 products on this other website. So I'm really big on scaling out winning designs and just trying to get like, like get squeeze every penny out of those designs. You can ride a winning design for years. And what you can even do is you can come out seasonal updates yeah. to the design. You, if there's a trendy color of a t-shirt, all of a sudden drop that design that season in that color, boom, you've got a totally new product. It like totally like refreshes the, uh, the design. So I'm very big on this. Every time I have a student who comes out with a winning design, the first thing I tell them to do is like, get it on more products, get it on more products, see what is like resonating with people. Adrian is dropping bombs, dropping value bombs <laughs> on the print on demand playbook podcast. Dude, I don't hold back, um, man. I do not hold back. So just to be clear here, Adrian, you're the mistake that beginners should avoid in this case is not putting your, des- your design on multiple products. You should avoid Correct. doing that and you should put your design on mul- on all kinds of different products and try to scale that up when you have a winning design. Now, when you're, when you're starting out and you're trying to find the winning design, you're probably picking the product that you think it might be best on like a t-shirt or whatever. When it starts totally. to get traction, then that's when you scale it out to, to other products, right? Yes. Yes. Because like you do not want to spend a whole bunch of time putting a design that totally flops. Well, you don't know at the time, but if let's say a design is going to flop and you don't know yet, and you go out and you spend time putting it on like 30 designs and finding mock-ups and doing all these yeah. different things only for it to totally flop. It's not worth your time. So what I recommend doing is starting with kind of like your most popular products. So, when we come out with a new design, a lot of times we'll put it on a t-shirt, a sweatshirt and a hoodie. And that doesn't take that long. You know, you just put the one design on a t-shirt, a sweatshirt and a hoodie and we test it and we see how it does. And if it wins, then all of a sudden we like scale it to so many other things. Yeah. But we're not going to waste our time putting like this, like flop of a design on 30 products and taking up all this real estate on your website that for a product that nobody wants, you don't want that. You don't want people to have to keep scrolling and scrolling like, oh, I've seen this crap design. You know what I mean? yeah. <laughs> like, like you want, you want your gold in front of them and you want, you don't want to have a lot of unpopular designs on your website. This is a totally different subject, but something I also like to recommend people do is purge. Like if you have designs that people aren't buying and they don't like, get them off your website it's not worth taking up the real estate because people's um, people's attention span is very short and they're not going to scroll forever. A lot of times they're not going to scroll past the first page. So if you have a whole bunch of designs that they don't want taking up a bunch of that space, or if they look and they see that there's 10 pages of designs or a hundred pages of designs, it's very intimidating for somebody. 
Um, and sometimes you can sort by best sellers. A lot of people don't think to do that when they're on your website, but they can. You can also have a default by best sellers, but sometimes people, sometimes the sellers don't do that. And so people have to scroll through all these designs, maybe new arrivals that could all be flops to get to like the ones that are your best sellers. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Keep it as simple wanna, as like, possible. Keep it as simple as possible. Yeah. You know, like what's the, what's the quote that's like, I don't know. Like, uh, it, like guess principle, keep it simple, stupid. <laughs> I'll take that one. <laughs> uh, but it's like, like, uh, I'm butchering it. I'm, I'm, I'm flopping this portion, but it's like enough to get the job done. But like, like not too much. I'm saying that wrong, but you know, like as little, as little as possible, as much as needed. Is that, is that, that mm-hmm. something along those lines? Like as little mm-hmm. as possible, but as much as, as is needed, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't want to have, you know bajillions of products that nobody's buying you want to have minimal options just like we talked about in the previous beginner mistake to avoid is like keeping Mm. variations and options to a minimum to increase conversions right anyways um move all right i'm moving on to my next one this one's a little bit controversial ready for this a little bit controversial actually my last two my last two are pretty controversial there's been a couple controversial ones here (laughs) i see one on your list that i think is controversial we'll get to in a minute I'm i'm gonna fight you on it sure um all right, jumping to paid ads right away when you start. Jumping into mm-hmm. Facebook ads or TikTok or whatever whatever the ads may be. Mistake to avoid, beginner mistake to avoid, jumping to paid ads right away. All right, let me just throw the controversy out there. When I started my first t-shirt business, I jumped right to paid ads. I jumped to Facebook ads and it worked. It, it worked. So now, six years later, I'm saying, this is a mistake you want to avoid don't jump to, to Facebook ads or paid ads right away. Now, why would I say that? <sighs> well, here's what I would say. I would say that Facebook ads or paid advertising, number one, it's a very difficult skill to learn. Uh, you know, when you're just starting out, for sure, it's, it's a difficult skill to be really good at. And number two, I've just seen too many uh, too many students like just burn money, like just light it on fire. Mm-hmm. And you you have to come into the paid ads category that you're not category, but the paid ads world with like the expectation, the expectation beforehand that this is going to take a while there. I may lose a little bit of money, but I'm going to test until I find something that works and I'm going to try different audiences, try and like, you have to be ready, ready for that. And I think, a lot of people come in with the opposite mindset of thinking like, this is the way to get rich quick. Mm-hmm. I'm going to put money into Facebook ads and it's just going to like, it's going to multiply instantly. This is going to be like, oh man, it's going to, it's just going to, I'm just going to make so much money and they end up burning just a ton of money and then they're discouraged and they're like, I'm ready to quit. This doesn't work. Right. I just I'm see out, that. Like, yeah. What's that? Yeah. yeah. They're like, I'm out like a thousand dollars. I'm no, out. Like, uh, like yeah. I had a student, I had a student that, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to make it sound like I, I don't know. I, I don't remember encouraging this. I, I, you know, I don't think I encouraged it, but they, you know, they were on a call with me or whatever, and I gave them some advice and they, they left and they went and ran, ran a bunch of ads and mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't hear from them for a week or two weeks or whatever. And then they came back and they were like, yeah, we, we just, we lost $750. In like, 
in like three or four days. Like we didn't get like a single, gambling. They, they were like, we didn't get a single sale. And I was like, okay. Like I was, I was shocked. And I was like, first of all, like, why would you spend that much money without a sale? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. If, like you know, what I remember is telling them that it, I was like, Hey, if you spend $30 on an audience or, you know, 30, around 30, $35 and you don't have a sale, like shut that thing off, you know, like mm-hmm. go test again, yeah. you know, but, but mm-hmm. they, they had let it run for three or four days. Cause that's another piece of advice I give people about ads is like, Hey, make sure you let your ad sets run for three, about 72 hours, you know, at a low budget. Yeah. Um, and see yeah. if, see if they optimize a little bit, you know, maybe it starts to pick up. You're typically not going to get anything in that first day, especially if it's a brand new audience. And anyways, mm. for whatever reason, I mean, it, there was no, I'm not, there was no bad blood at all. Like they were, they were totally, it, everything was good. I, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't like whatever they weren't mad or anything, but it, but it was a bummer, right? Like it was, it was a huge bummer. It was like they went and just lost all this money in a really short amount of time. And I think that happens to a lot of people. Um, you're trying to do the right thing, but like, like the reality mm-hmm. is paid ads are, are, they can be very difficult. And when you see, when you see mm-hmm. these stores, like just crushing it with paid ads, they usually have a lot of experience with that, or they've hired professionals or, you know, they, they've just been doing it a long time. They have proven audiences. They have proven creatives all, that they, you know, and they're, they have sales and money and profits so they can test mm-hmm. with at the mm-hmm. beginning. I think it's much less risky and it's a better strategy to go out and spend the least amount of money possible on marketing, use some of these free, free organic channels to drive traffic and mm-hmm. get your first few sales in and start to get some data on who your customer is and what products might be popular through that organic, mm-hmm. organic activity on social media. And then you can go to paid ads, let's say Facebook and Instagram ads. You can go out there and you can be like, okay, I've made 10 sales, eight of them were this t-shirt in this color, right? And, and it was to this exact customer, like all the customers were dudes. I just noticed, mm-hmm. I just looked back, like I, you can even just look at all the names and the orders, like all of them are, look like they're, they're men, man, man names, right? So like, yeah. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to be able to say, okay, this color, get a mock-up for this design in this color, get, get a nice mock-up or a couple mock-ups. And my audience is going to be uh, male focused, you know, in this age group. And you're going to have a much better chance to, to succeed with that because you already have some data to go off of and you're not going to burn as much money. Right. So I just Mm. think organic when you're just starting out as a beginner, much safer and less risky way to go. Yeah. Adrian, your thoughts. Yeah. I've I've got quite a few thoughts on this one. So I definitely agree with you for the most part on this. If someone had endless, endless amounts of cash and they didn't care, I'd be like, go ahead, test everything. If you want, if you can go fast, yeah, you can you can scale you can you can lose a lot really fast, but you can gain a lot really fast. So I would say if you if you have endless amounts and you don't care, do it. Most people are not in that situation, and most people you want to help them be very resourceful at the beginning beginning of their experience, and just really reinvest the profits into the scaling portion. Like find the winner first, and then and then take off and. Something that I get a lot of pushback on on social media, and maybe you do too, is like so many people comment that like, oh, you can't make sales without paid advertising. A hundred percent false. That's a hundred percent false. How do I know? Because we make sales all the time from organic advertising. And it's not just us. Our students make sales from organic advertising. Lots of people make sales from organic advertising. You think about like these 
TikTok videos that go viral. Like I know people who have had TikTok videos go very viral and they said it was like an it was like printing money and it was totally organic. They did not run any ads. So for anyone who thinks that, um, I just want to totally quash that belief. If in your experience, you haven't made any organic sales, that's your experience, but that's not the experience of everybody. I promise you it's not the experience of everyone. There's so many strategies. A ton of organic sales. Like I just, I don't buy that for a second. It's like, Someone trying to tell me that is like, dude, you're telling someone that is making organic sales that organic sales can't be made. And I, I mean this more not to be like, um, like, like condescending. I mean this more to be inspirational. I don't want people to see those comments and be like, oh, user one, two, five, six, eight says that you can't make sales through organic marketing. Therefore, I better not like try organic marketing because it can't be done. Most of those people have never even tried. And even if they had, maybe they tried for like a little bit and they didn't have success. And a lot of people without a strategy are not going to have success. And a lot of these people were your typical cases where they like threw up a store and then they just kind of expected that people were going to come to them. And there's a lot of ways to get organic sales. You know, you can post on TikTok, you can post Instagram Reels, you can post to your shops, you can DM people and, and reach out to people in your niche. You can do strategic follow for follows. There's so many ways to get organic sales. And that's also the way that I recommend that most people go for sure. Um, another thing is if you have, eh, that's not actually like a very good example. So yeah, I, I'll just leave it at that. I will, like, I agree that organic sales is the way to go to start. Usually you can tell by the engagement if it's going to do, do good. I I think that when people start running ads, it's almost like, I don't know, like I think it's almost like gambling. I'm not a gambler. I don't go to casinos. I don't gamble. I don't think I've ever spent more than $25 in one ever. And I've only been on one. I could probably count on one hand, <laughs> like how many times I've been. I don't play the lottery. Same. I'm not a gambler. But like, I definitely think that like, running paid ads can be very addictive. And I worry, I, I genuinely worry about people because you're getting these like dopamine dumps. You're getting like, oh, I've got like 10 new followers, like two people added to cart. And it's like, you're like, oh, I've got like five add to carts and I've spent 50 bucks. I'm gonna spend 50 more dollars and see if any of those add to carts turn into purchases. And the next thing you know, you spent like $300 and you have more add to carts and still no purchases. And I really feel for those people. It like really toys with your emotions. And I, this is another reason why I don't like people getting into the paid ads thing right away. Um, I think you can tell from when you drop new products and as you build up your audience, you're going to notice substantially more engagement on designs that really resonate with people. And when you see that, then I would say, okay, go ahead. The, the only thing, and this is actually really exciting. This is kind of like, kind of like a turning point. Like I agree with you back in 2016, I did the same thing. Every time I had a design, I would just run ads, a small budget. And then after yep. iOS 14, that really did not work very well at all. And you just felt like you were burning money. But with IG shops, man, like we are testing small budget ads and they're converting. Let's go. And so our strategy might actually evolve soon where we're actually telling people like, if you, you know, even if you don't see crazy engagement, but if you see some signs, like some glimmers of hope in this, 
maybe run it five to ten dollars a day for like 72 hours with ig shops and see if it converts um but we're not we're not at the point where we're telling people to do that yet right now we're the same as you we're just saying focus on organic there's more than enough ways to get social proof and to see if this does have potential and then focus your budget on scaling 100 man it's all all really good stuff I, I i totally agree with you um yeah i think it's yes i had something else to say but i can't remember it we could keep forgetting things today Oh, oh dude, like I, it's so hard because like one person's talking, you don't want to interrupt and I'm so bad at interrupting and I'm actually trying to work no, on it. Too, I'm trying to get too, better at it. Um, ADHD just like goes nuts. And um, so I'm always trying to like keep all these things in my head to say after you're done your thoughts. And I totally feel the same. I remember. While, I remember. Uh, I was going to say, forget, like a couple of things. I was going to say, well, we're not hating on paid ads because you're like, we are two guys I mean, I've, I've literally made millions of dollars from Facebook ads specifically. And yeah. so I love ads as an amazing tool. Same. There's also been periods where I've lost tens of thousands of dollars on, on ads where I just hadn't been profitable. So, you know, no. but, but in general, like I, I love ads, I love paid ads. It's one of my strengths. Like I'm good at it. I, you know, I, I, I feel comfortable doing it, but like too many people, I just see too many people struggle with it. And it's a, it's not an easy skill to master when you're a beginner. Yeah. It's also really tempting to let that budget just keep going a little bit longer, a little bit longer, a little bit longer. Yep. And then you're a couple hundred in the hole. And that's very discouraging for someone new. They're like, okay, I'm, I've been in this for 30 days and I have $500 in the hole. That is not how we want you to start. That is not what we want your experience to be, but you're totally right. Like ads, we are so lucky that social media ads exist. Like that has been the backbone of my whole print on demand experience has been off of the back of social media ads. And I like to think of them more as like an amplifier. They are like a great tool for amplification. You know, like when you have a winning design, you can make organic sales. But if you like throw some cash down into ads, you are just adding fuel to a fire and it's like next level. You can 10X the volume of sales that you're making because you're getting them in front of like 10 X the number of people. So sorry, dude, I slept like, I slept like five hours last night. I'm feeling it's coming right now. It's, <laughs> it's three 52 in the afternoon. We're recording this. I'm like, oh, all good. I can make it all good, man. <laughs> all good. Well, I'll, uh, I'll take the next one here. Um, so I guess this is the one that you thought was, uh, controversial. I'm very curious to hear your thoughts on it. And uh, dude, like I'm open to constructive criticism. I do not think I have all the answers. And if someone like proves me wrong, I will gladly, like, I just want to know the right way. Like if, if someone makes like a legitimate agreement, why not to do something? I'll probably change my strategy because I'm not, my ego isn't tied to this. So, um, all right. So this next one using lifestyle images, I want to add one more thing or flat lays instead of generic print on demand mock-ups. I just don't think that the print on demand mock-ups are very good. I want them to get better. Please print on demand companies. If you're listening to this, like the more sales, you help us make the more money you make in fulfillment costs. So there's a lot of incentive for print on demand companies to create high converting mockups. Sadly, in my experience, like mockups almost never result in, they're never the winning ad creative. Like it's always put on a flat lay, which does really well. Um, 
or like a lifestyle image, like an aspirational image. So a, a couple of thoughts on this first, a lot of people are using those exact same mockups. And I just think that kind of devalues your store. Like if, if you go, if someone goes on your store and all they see is like printful or printify mockups, it just looks very generic. And maybe they've seen it on other stores and they're like, is this the same store? Like, I don't know. And, and like a lot of times it's like the exact same model and the exact same pose. And it just looks really fake. Um, it's almost like you have a bunch of mannequins wearing it or something. Um, and then secondly, I just, like I said, don't think that the print on demand companies provide very good mockups. Like they don't provide high converting mockups, in my opinion. I will say that some are getting better, some are improving, but still I have not ever had a print on demand mockup that resulted in like a six figure ad creative or a seven figure ad creative or anything like that. So what I usually recommend is at least for the primary image, like what someone's going to see when they're scrolling through your products, you don't, you can keep like mockups as like secondary images. I don't, a lot of them, I, I wouldn't keep all of them. I would just have like a couple, like maybe just the generic shirt alone. Um, but for the primary image that people are going to see, I would use a different mockup. I would get something from Etsy. That's my personal favorite place to get mockups. Placeit.net. I love Placeit.net. I've had six-figure design creatives or six-figure ad creatives from Placeit.net models, like the lifestyle images or sites like that. So, Carrie, man, I want to hear your thoughts. Go ahead. I know, I know you have some disagreements here. I completely I disagree, hear. Adrian. I disagree. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, Let's hear it. No, I. I <sighs> this is a really tough one for me because you know you're sitting there saying like. I've never had like a win. I'm the opposite. I'm the opposite. I've actually, I've actually used, you know, generic print on demand mockups and had, you know, winning ad creatives from those. Nice. And sometimes I don't want to say all the time, but a lot of times I find that the really, really basic mockups convert better. Um, and I've seen that with students too, you know, like we've had students that, you know, try both and, and for whatever reason, like the simplest, uh, mock-ups work. Now I actually don't disagree with you. I actually, I actually do agree. I've, I've had, I've had what you said as well. Like I've had place it mock-ups that have just crushed it. I, I think it depends a lot on the niche, on the product, different things like that. Mm. But here's, here's what I would say. What most, what I see most people doing that I, and I think the reason why it doesn't work is, and I'm a specific I'm going to specifically, well, not <laughs> just going to say place it, but mostly I'm going to say place it. Hmm. Why, why, why it's, why I see that it doesn't work with, um, uh, when they, when they use the lifestyle mockups. Okay. It is either because they pick a really bad mockup or hmm. they, or they pick the wrong customer in the photo. Hmm. So yeah, I see this a lot. So that's yeah, controversial, but, uh, the first, that's a good point. The first reason, the first thing I see a lot is that I see that for whatever reason, I don't know why there's some things, you know, us as, as coaches, I love my students with a passion. You guys are amazing. If you're listening to this, you're, I just, I love you so much, but I see people pick these mock-ups where like the t-shirt, let's say it's a t-shirt mock-up. The t-shirt mock-up is not the focal point. Like mm. I had this student who had a had motorcycle. They had they're in the motorcycle niche and they had motorcycle t-shirts. 
they went out there. I, I gave them the same advice, man, you should use a lifestyle mock-up, right? They went out there and they, they picked this mock-up from place it where I kid you not, there was a motorcycle in the shot, a guy standing there, the guy was standing sideways and the t-shirt mock-up was on the sideways shirt, like front. So you could see the motorcycle, but then the dude was like slanted and you couldn't really make mm. out the t-shirt design. And they ran that in mm. an ad and it didn't get any sales. And they brought it back to me and I was like, dude, what is this mock-up? If I didn't mm -hmm. know, if you, I, if you weren't in this program and I didn't know it was for a t-shirt, I would think it was for a motorcycle or like a helmet or something. Like mm. I wouldn't even know the t-shirt was the product. You know what I yeah. mean? And I've seen other mock-ups like that where it's just like, it's not the focal point. And yeah. I think that one of the most important aspects of advertising, specifically your creatives on, on advertising, is it has to be really clean and clear and, and big and upfront, That's right? It. And like you want yeah. people to be able to see the design, read it very easily, not strain, not look around, not like... Again, we talked about like you got to capture their attention right away. So that's number one is picking the wrong mock-up just oh, for whatever so reason. We try to so pick true. the cool-looking one, and mm. sometimes the cool-looking ones are not the best ones. Like the best ones are the ones that are really, really show what you're selling and present it in a, you know, I don't know, a good, good, good way, right? So that's number one. Number two would be when you go out to place it. There's 14 billion different types of people, colors, ages, you know, all kinds of different yeah. things, right? People from yeah. every walk of life. And I see that a lot of students, like they've got a gaming brand from 19 year olds and they go and they pick like a grandpa wearing, <laughs> wearing this gaming t-shirt. And I'm just like, what are you doing? <laughs> who's your target audience? Who's, who's your target your, audience, right? Yeah, yeah. Who's your, like, Pick the guy that looks like the guys are going to sell to. You know what I mean? Like, right. so I right. see that a lot. I've I've seen that a lot. Um, I think you know what I think this podcast episode is, Adrian. I think I'm just exposing my flaws as a coach. You know, <laughs> I think I think what do you I mean? no, you're doing I think I'm gonna I'm gonna become about? a better coach because uh, yeah, no, it's no. just these are just things I've seen I've seen it's quite a good. bit. It's good to be like it's good to be like let people know that like they're not alone. You know how they yeah. say like oh there's no a lot of times in the classroom, they say like, oh, there's no stupid questions. I want people to think like that they're not alone when they're when they're having issues. If they're seen, if they're using a lifestyle mock-up and it's That's not true. being successful, ask us. Like, we want to help you. Like, it is in our best interest to help you. We want to see our students win. And to be able to share this, and maybe a lot of people will resonate with this and be like, oh, like I thought I was the only one or something. I, I thought I was the only one using lifestyle mock-ups and not seeing success. But there's no, you're, 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 you're a great coach. You're so an absolutely great. I know, <laughs> I, know I shouldn't dog myself, but let me, let me, let me put it this way. And maybe just to kind of put a bow on this, maybe help people. Mm -hmm. We talk about, we talk about winning designs and we say that a winning design should be clean and simple and it should invoke an emotion. When you're picking yeah. a mock-up, the mock-up should enhance that, right? It should enhance yes. that feeling. So when you're, mm -hmm. when you talk about a flat lay, right? Like, it, you know, you might have a, um, a, 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 a outfit in the, in the mock-up, right? Mm -hmm. That outfit is enhancing the emotion or the relatability or the connection that people would have to that design, right? So they see the yes. design, they connect with the design and then they look at the mock-up and it's like, oh, that really is for me. That is 
a product that I would be interested in because it connects with your potential audience customer, right? So it's like, totally. think about that, right? Like you, you just got to, you want to enhance the connection and the thing that people are feeling with that mock-up. And so it's got to be the same things. It's got to be clean and clear. It's got to be bold and upfront in the, in the, in the picture and the person in it and the objects in it, they have to uh, also make that same connection as your design does with the person. Right. And so wow. uh, I, I totally agree yeah. with you, by the way, I think the lifestyle mock-ups are better. I, I yeah. there have been situations where it's like, we've used the stock mock-ups and sometimes dress them up a little bit. And those end up being really yeah. successful because the simplicity of them. Mm hmm. Yeah, no, I, and, and there's some flat lays that are really simple too. It'll yeah. like be a white background, with just a folded up hoodie or a folded up shirt. And we've had a lot of success with those really simple looking flat lays because the focus, like I, like, so I don't disagree with anything you said about that. I thought you were going to have like a different argument, but like, <laughs> like I a hundred percent agree with, with what you said. I, I think printful or um, place it, I think is awesome for mock-ups, I do too. but there's a lot terrible mock-ups that I would never use in there ever for a t-shirt. They might be great for a poster for like a company or a business that's just trying to promote someone smiling, you know, but like you have to be very strategic with the mock-ups that you choose. The, the design should always be the hero of the image. Always. If it's, if it's obstructed in any way, even if there's drawstrings over the design, I don't like using it because just those drawstrings can be a conversion killer. If someone's to the side, if the design, if the person's really far away and you can hardly see the design, those aren't gonna stop thumbs when people are scrolling on their mobile phone, especially on a mobile phone, if the design's small, and then they're on a mobile phone screen, which is also really small. But 100% agree, like you do have to be very strategic with the ones you use. I just think that they have more potential to be high converting if you use the right lifestyle and um, like right product and lifestyle mock-ups from somewhere like Etsy or Place versus using the other ones. And then the other point, just to sum it up what you said, like, yes, the, the, if you're going to have people in the image, if it's not a flat lay, if it's like an aspirational image with someone, they should look like your customer. Yep. You want them to look at that person and be like, envision themselves in that shirt. They're like, that looks like someone I want to be friends with. And she like loves to hike or something like that, right? Like they can see themselves in that shirt too. So you made really, really good points. And I'm actually so glad you brought those up because that adds more clarity to what I was trying to say. I was, you know, I a hundred percent agree with those points. hundred percent. I think also just test everything. You know what I mean? Like if you're running ads, if you're running yeah. ads, like it's okay to test the the printful or printify or whatever, whoever you're using awkward styles, you know, whoever sure. you, like use, like test those mockups too. You know, um, there are certain audiences, right. there are certain audiences and certain customers that that may work best for. And so it's okay to test those. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. man, that's, yeah. I mean, not I'm going to stop my list right there. I think, I, I think I'm good. That was a lot of mistakes. Maybe we could do a part yeah. two. If we could come yeah. up, like I could probably come up with a few more for a part two. Let <laughs> us know in the comments or uh, let, just let us know if you want a part two. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds good. Let's, let's, let's wrap it up there. I think that's a lot of like food for thought. Um, and I hope that people found this really valuable and I really hope that they don't feel like, I hope this helps them make them feel like they're not the only ones making, you know, these, these kind of like mistakes because you and I made a lot of these mistakes when we started out. 
And, you know, we just learned over experience and, and years and stuff like that. So yeah, let's, uh, let's wrap it up there and um, on to the next one. Man, thank you for listening today. See you in the next one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Print on Demand Playbook Podcast. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please help us out by leaving us an honest review on whichever platform you're listening from. Thank you again so much and we will see you soon.